be there for the podcast. It's going to be super combobular, crazy go nuts, non heinous. It'll melt your face off. It's one of those things where Discord versus Rhyme, Rhyme versus Reason, Reason versus Ableton, Discord and Rhyme. It's the jankliest. Greetings, and welcome to Discord and Rhyme, a podcast where we discuss our favorite albums, song by song. I'm Rich Bennell, and I'm joined today by... Phil Maddox. Chris Willie-Williams. Mike DeFabio. And Mike is our producer, and he'll also be hosting today. But first, a little background about us. Uh, so back in the 90s, we, we reviewed pop music on a loose network of not-so-famous websites we informally called the Web Reviewing Community. This podcast is our excuse for a new project in the 2010s. So every episode, we'd go track by track through a classic or favorite album, share our thoughts and opinions, and dig into the album's surrounding context and just what's going on with the music. Anyway, guys, I'm excited, everyone, because today we're covering our first hip-hop album! (laughs) Yeah! What do you have for us, Mike? What I have for you today is the self-titled debut album, and for a long time, the only album, by hip-hop supergroup Deltron 3030, a group consisting, it's sort of a power trio, consisting of Del the Funky Homo Sapien on rapping, Dan the Automator on production, and Kid Koala on scratching and fancy DJ things. And they're a super group because, uh, well, Del the Funky Homo Sapien was known previously for his work in hieroglyphics and also uh, for his work as a solo artist. Uh, I think his most... Well-known song previous to Deltron was uh, his hit, Mr. Dabalina. Mr. Bob Dabalina? Yes, I I think we have a clip. Mr. Dabalina, Mr. Bob Dabalina, Mr. Bob Dabalina, won't you quit? You really make me sick with your fraudulent behavior. You're gonna make me flip and then an army couldn't save you. Why don't you behave, you little rug rat? Take a little tip from the tabloid, because I know I'm not paranoid. When I say I saw you trying to mock me, now you and your crew are on a mission trying to hawk me. And Dan the Automator was known mainly for his work on Dr. Octagon's Dr. Octagon Ecologist, as well as his remixes for groups such as Primal Scream and Stereolab. We have a clip from uh, the song Blue Flowers from uh, Dr. Octagon. Dr. Octagon, paramedic fetus of the East with priests I'm from the church of the operating room with the strikes of force. I wanted to play that because uh, that's a sample from uh, a Bartok violin concerto. And that shows, uh, yeah, uh, Dan the Automator was, he studied the violin at an early age. And he has uh, a very strong classical music influence in his productions. I don't know if he plays the violin much these days, but that... His, his music is very much infused with, with that influence, and that's a good example of that. We'll get into more of that on the Deltron album, but I wanted to demonstrate that. And then Kid Koala 
was known for his eccentric approach to turntablism, as heard on releases like Carpal Tunnel Syndrome and Scratch Scratch Ratchatch. I'm glad you pronounced that correct. I've been I've been re- <laughs> rehearsing that myself to try to get it right. It's a great title. That's pretty representative, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah, I remember this one actually having a really memorable video where everything is kind of slowed down looking. <laughs> oh, really? It's a bunch of cartoons that are really like sluggishly moving through a town. That sounds right. Yeah. And I, I saw Kid Koala do the drunk trumpet routine uh, when I went to see Lovage. Oh. Uh, which was uh, the project he uh, had with Automator and Mike Patton. Yeah. And Jennifer Charles. And uh, he did the drunk trumpet routine in between a few songs. And... He's probably he had probably done that every gig of his life, but he still looked like he was having so much fun. Yeah. One thing that confused me a little bit uh, is both Automator and Koala are DJs; they're turntablists. So I'm curious uh, if you could explain a little bit where Automator's contributions and and Koala's begin. Well, Automator, as far as I know, isn't really much of a of a turntablist. He's mm-hmm. not really. He's his expertise is more on the production side of things. So when you're hearing a lot of virtuoso scratching and things on the album, that's Kid Koala. And mm-hmm. Automator's more in charge of the beats and more like the meat of the song. Okay, so, uh, so Automator is more responsible for the big picture, whereas uh, Kid Koala is more akin to a guitarist. Right. To make a comparison. Yeah. I guess one uh, thing to mention might be that uh, Automator, his, he produced um, Talk About the Blues by John Spencer Blues Explosion, which sounds... To me, nothing like any other John Spencer Blues Explosion song. Not just in the sense that it's good and memorable, but because <laughs> it's it's just odd. He's he's got a, a unique sensibility where it, it sort of feels like things are falling apart, but in a perfectly contained proper way. I guess huh, that's. I didn't know about that song. I I never really paid much attention to the John Spencer Blues Explosions. So. Nor should you. <laughs> yeah, I mostly know him from that song that was in Baby Driver and that one video that was directed by Weird Al. Oh, <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so Mike, uh, when did this trio first work together? This trio first worked together in 1999 when uh, Del and Kid Koala were both on the album So How's Your Girl by Handsome Boy Modeling School. And that was Automator's collaboration with fellow producer Prince Paul. And it's probably the only hip-hop album you'll ever hear that was inspired by an episode of the early 90s sitcom Get a Life. (laughs) Because Automator's kind of a big Chris Elliott fan, which, I mean, okay. Right. Well, I'm going to interject here just to say that Get a Life is actually one of my favorite TV shows of all time. So check it out because it's ludicrous and very entertaining. Yeah, it's great. I've been meaning to check it out. I'm just drowning in peak TV here. I saw a little bit of it when it was actually on the air, and it was it was pretty great. The theme song was Stand by R.E.M., and that was what introduced me to R.E.M. 
and it gave me the completely <laughs> the wrong idea of what kind of band they were. <laughs> like, but Get a Life is basically like the craziest stuff you'll see on Adult Swim, except it came out in like 1989 yeah. on network TV. Yeah. Charlie Kaufman was a writer. Bob Odenkirk was a writer. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. So the most important thing to know about this album is that it's not just a rap album. Mm-hmm. It's a rap concept album. <laughs> And the concept isn't, I hate you and you rap worse. <laughs> it's an album set in a 31st century dystopia ruled by evil corporations. And in the grand tradition of albums such as Frank Zappa's Joe's Garage, uh, Rush's 2112, uh, what else? Kilroy Was Here by Styx. I'm sure there are others <laughs> I'm forgetting. The kind of music contained on the album is illegal. <laughs> I would go so far as to call this a hip hop like five years before Trapped in the Closet. It absolutely yeah. is, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And uh, when Automator got the, the idea for the album, he was really expecting it to be more of a, a fun sci-fi romp. And parts of it certainly are, but mm-hmm. Dell brought this much darker Orwellian vision to the project. So Dell plays Deltron Zero, who is a superhero who used to be some kind of robot soldier, who defeats his enemies by rapping better than them. And that's the basic plot of the album, but the album is really much more focused on world building rather than on the narrative. And I think that's actually one of its main strengths, because one of my least favorite things about concept albums is when they just sing the plot. Yeah. And we don't really get into the plot until pretty deep into the album. Right. This album wasn't a massive success when it first came out, although I seem to remember Things You Can Do getting some radio play, but I'm in the Bay Area, and it's a Bay Area group. But its reputation has steadily increased over time, and it's now widely considered to be a masterpiece of experimental hip-hop. Okay, so so tell us about you and Deltron, Mike. So, me and Deltron, or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love (laughs) Hip-Hop. This album came out... This came out in 2000. I was 17 years old. I was very much a late bloomer when it came to not hating things my parents hated. So I had heard, you know, Paul's Boutique by the Beastie Boys, Fear of a Black Planet by Public Enemy. I had really gotten into GJ Shadow because he was a big influence on Radiohead and I wanted to hear everybody who influenced Radiohead. Um, But my knowledge of hip hop was pretty meager. And what got me listening to it more was that I was a kid who spent a lot of time messing around with freeware audio editors and making weird sound collages and what you might charitably call beats. Uh, And I was always really intrigued by the production side of hip hop and making these uh, collage type productions out of samples and things. And... That was what convinced me that this was a kind of music that belonged in my life. It really just came along at the right time. I started getting into hip-hop when hip-hop was starting to get really interesting. Underground hip-hop was really starting to explode Mm -hmm. and go in a lot of really interesting directions. And this was one of the albums that taught me that uh, because hip-hop is built so much on sampling and reappropriation of whatever you can dig out of the crates, uh, that it can encompass pretty much everything. It can be whatever you want it to be. It can contain the whole world. And if it can do that, then there's something in there for you. 
And if you're, you know, of <laughs> if if you're a, a white nerdy seventeen year old who's uh, deep into prog rock, this might be the gateway hip hop album for you. Mm-hmm. And it's it's also held up really well over time. It hasn't aged at all, I don't think. And oh, for when sure. I listened to it in preparation for this podcast, I was still noticing things that I hadn't noticed before. It has aged like fine Romulan wine. <laughs> yes. Or, yes, it has. Excuse me, Romulan ale. Wow. I can't believe I said that. <laughs> that mistake's staying in. <laughs> and, yeah, it's, it, 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 yeah, no, shame, shame, shame. Uh, anyway, sim- <laughs> similar to Mike, um, as well as a lot of other fellow nerds who went to college around the same time I did in the early 2000s, um, this was also one of my gateway drugs to hip hop. And um, I think that there are um, a couple reasons for that. Um, one is Automator. His his really clean production style is super friendly to newcomers to the genre. And also Dell. He has both a very recognizable, technically advanced style and um, just a tendency to fill his rhymes with really, really nerdy jokes. Um, and he actually performed uh, in Berkeley on Lower Sproul Plaza while I was there in 2003, though I don't remember much of the performance because I wasn't really into hip-hop at the time. Another thing about the album that really appealed to me is, uh, and just got me into the genre at large, is that it makes it really clear that hip-hop is capable of telling a story and carrying out a sustained vision over the course of a full-length album in a way that you just, you, you can't do in the same way with like a rock album. And honestly, I would recommend it to anyone on the fence about the genre. I was I had listened to a little bit of hip hop at the time. I was um, eighteen in two thousand one, and I'd listened to some hip hop, not a ton, um, but I really liked the song Clint Eastwood by Gorillaz. That was all over the radio at the time. But not for long, the future is coming on, it's coming on, it's coming on, it's coming on, Finally, someone let me out of my cage Now, time for me is nothing cause I'm counting no A's Nah, I couldn't be there, nah, you shouldn't be scared I'm good at repairs, and I'm under each snare Intangible So I went and I picked up the album And was very disappointed to find that really nothing else on that record sounded like Clint Eastwood. So I just kind of filed it away. And then several months later, I was talking to a friend of mine who informed me that there was a whole album featuring like the people that did Clint Eastwood, you know, Dan the Automator and uh, Del the Funky Homo Sapien. That sounded much more in line with what I assumed the Gorillaz album sounded like. So I picked that record up, which is Deltron 3030, and just instantly loved it and i played it constantly when i was in college it was one of the uh two hip-hop albums like i guess my freshman year of college i played incessantly uh this one and uh, enter the 36 chambers by the wu-tang clan are just i listened to both of them just constantly and really enjoyed both yeah i, I actually remember hearing uh the gorillas album and being pretty disappointed that it didn't sound more like the deltron album yeah, I still don't like that album, the, I don't the first Gorillaz album, all that much. I like Demon Days, their second one more, but the debut Gorillaz album still kind of leaves me cold. I also heard Clint Eastwood because, like Phil said, it was everywhere, or at least I enjoyed the portion of the song that featured Dell, and then he goes away, and then the song goes on for another three months. But uh, <laughs> I, I came, I came to Deltron uh, via Kid Koala. Actually, I, I'd seen him open for Radiohead in Toronto, and he. He introduced himself by saying, I'm going to play some records incorrectly. 
just very shyly. And then he spent like a half hour or so doing this DJ set that was really nimble, but also really sort of playful and twee. Um, it was it was very accomplished, and his sources were things like the Muppets and the score from Monty Python and the Holy Grail and the Jeopardy theme. And I was I found his sensibility really appealing, and so via that I I found my way back to Deltron, which sounds nothing like Kid Koala's solo stuff, like we've we've heard from uh, the clip that Mike provided earlier. But it nevertheless blew me away. Like I I also hadn't really listened to much hip hop, but Kid Koala's contributions. Though it's it's tough to, like Rich said, it's tough to quantify them. They're really important, and Automator's production is really distinctive and terrific. And Dell has a, a really friendly, appealing voice to me. Mike would always describe Dell's voice to me as if, like, you know, he was in a lab coat with a giant brain popping out of his skull. Nice. Yeah, or, or like wearing a mortar board. Ha! Standing up in front of the class, you know? he's got, He's got this sort of like a professor science delivery he really does i hadn't thought of it that way but yeah. that's dead on and it's not just an act dude did like serious research for this album and he did for the sequel oh, yeah. as well which we'll talk about later on mm-hmm. so uh, i think we can get started with the album um we were just talking about gorillas and the opening track actually features uh, a gorilla damon albarn um who briefly appears in the opening track state of the nation by new order <laughs> it's the year thirty thirty. Here at the corporate institutional bank of time, we find ourselves reflecting, finding out that in fact, we came back. We were always coming back. So this is really, it's just a spoken introduction by Damon Albarn. There's not much else to say about it. It's It sets up the album. It also gives us uh, one of the recurring themes of the album. I think Rich has a little bit more to say about that. Yeah, I think it puts a really important theme up front, actually, even though it's a little snippet. Um, It's that this is a dystopia, but not a post-apocalypse. And basically, as long as there is society, there will always be the 1%, um, Mm. which is who is speaking here. Um, uh, And uh, I think that that's going to be important, one of the important themes throughout the album. Yeah, Damon Albarn plays this sort of uh, upper-crust aristocrat here. Sir Damien Thorne the Seventh of the Cockfosters clan. That's that's his character on this album. And I should mention, Dan the Automator is the cantankerous Captain Aptos, and Kid Koala is Giznod the Boy Wonder. Yeah. For those following along at home. So they're already playing characters just like Gorillas. Exactly. Except that they like Dell constantly references Automator by the name Automator throughout the whole that's album. That's true, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, kind of, kind of kills the illusion, there, right? But it's okay. <laughs> okay, so I don't want to spend too much time on this twenty-five second track. So let's move yeah. on to the, to the first real song, which is the title track, Thirty Thirty. Automator, harder slayer, fascinating combination. Cyber warlords are activating abominations. Armination with hatred, we ain't with that. We high tech archaeologists searching for knickknacks. Composing musical stem packs that impacts the soul. Crack the mold of what you think you rap before. I used to be a mech soldier, but I didn't respect orders. I had to step forward, tell them this ain't for us. Living in a post-apocalyptic world, morbid and horrid. The secrets of the past, they hoarded. Now we just boarded on our futuristic spacecraft. No mistakes, black. It's our music we must take back. Take back. 
first thing you notice about this song is that, first of all, it's seven minutes long, and it's not exactly what you'd call a banger. Uh, it's much more, they have something much more cinematic in mind. So you have Automator's classical music influence that I spoke of earlier. That's on full display. This is, I mean, when that chorus hits, it's really like a spaceship taking off almost. It's got such a such a movie soundtrack feel to it. The main sample in this song uh, is taken from a piece by a French composer named William Scheller. It's from a piece called Introit. I think it's, er, it's probably Intra. Well, I think it's Latin. Which I'm not sure how to pronounce that either. <laughs> oh man, uh, intro. Okay. Yeah. It's pretty mind blowing. Yeah. Yeah. The, the whole the whole beat is made from different sections of that one track. And I like how in the chorus, he doesn't just take like a four-bar loop. I think there's actually, it follows the original composition. So at one point, there's actually a, a bar in 13-4, if I counted correctly, <laughs> which is not something you're going to hear in a, in a hip-hop song very often. And uh, the other main sample in this song is uh, from, of all places, uh, a Christine McVie album from back when she was uh, Christine Perfect. Huh. Yeah, and I did not know that that was her last name until just now. Yeah, why would you change your name from that? kidding i i had yeah. no idea you're going to be hearing a lot of that we're going to get really deep into where automator got his samples from because that's really the fun of hip-hop for me is discovering all these cool obscure songs a that... lot of the time yeah and I'll, I'll 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 try not to articulate every single time i'm impressed no no do so i recommend uh, i recommend spending some time on who sampled.com and they actually have a really really good app too and i and i promise they didn't tell me to say that no it's great <laughs> yeah it, i was i was just like clicking through it and it linked all directly to the videos and exactly the part of the video like you know where that gets sampled and um it's just perfect for this yeah it's really really cool it's a great way to kill a few hours mm -hmm. um <laughs> but otherwise lyrically on this song we have uh really setting up the world of the album he sets up kind of his history i used to be a mech soldier but i didn't respect orders yeah and we get uh we get a mention that he's uh he actually wrote one of the verses in prison because his music was too dangerous and uh <laughs> now there's a worldwide manhunt going on for him so when I first re-listened to this album for this podcast, um, for a brief moment, I thought I was too cool for Dan the Automator and that he'd grown off me and that his beats were too just static and museum-like. But I listened to it more and I realized that that was BS. And um, <laughs> I, I think that my issue is that like I've gotten more into hip-hop that's meant more to make you move. And uh, Automator isn't really about that. He's, he's more like a movie director or a stage director of a play. And... Um, after I realized that, I just started focusing on Dell, who is just completely unbelievable, especially here on this song. 
Uh, another thing, uh, just just to follow up on the samples that uh, that Mike played, uh, I think uh, one thing one thing about hip hop, I think a lot more rock fans would embrace the genre if they realized that it's a genre that's by and for complete music nerds. Like, I mean, uh, like here you have a primary sample uh, from a from a French classical composer mixed with drums from early solo Christine McVie, and uh, somehow these completely un sci fi elements come together into a sci fi landscape. It's amazing. Like, I love hip hop. <laughs> right yeah that, that's well said yeah i think i think that automator must have had the word cinematic in his mind when arranging this song like there's there's a great version of it um if i've got the right one pulled up here uh on kexp there's there's a full performance of a full delta 3030 set but it opens with this song and uh automator is conducting an orchestra oh wow it's real. I mean, it's easy to find on YouTube or wherever. It may not have been YouTube, but it, yeah, just sweeping and epic. Just all those big, huge sweeping words. I think must must have been what Automator was going for because it's just a phenomenally big sounding song that earns its seven minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I I do think he was trying to make a movie for your ears here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the first time I heard this song, like when I put on this record after I got a copy of it, like this track just completely blew me away because I had never heard anything that sounded like that before. Because, again, it's very different from a lot of hip hop. It's very, you know, very cinematic. It's not, you know, it's really not music to get up and dance to or anything. It's very cerebral, I guess I want to say. But it's got a yeah. big sweeping sound that can that would appeal to people who like kind of epic sounding music, which I certainly did at the time because I was really into prog rock and I still do. So this really impressed me. The music was great. And Dell, again, is just a phenomenal rapper. He really owns this track and the whole thing never gets boring over the whole seven minutes. Yeah, Dell is really in peak form here. I didn't really mention that enough. This is one of his finest recorded moments. And also, I think this song in particular has a lot to offer a prog rock fan. It's really, it's got that sound that's made for, you know, sitting down with headphones on in a big chair and just letting it blow you away. Yep. Mm -hmm. A perfectly fine way to spend an afternoon. Yes. I think we should emphasize here that we're not we're not dismissing other hip hop. Like, it's it's not like this is the the one hip hop album for rock fans. It's... We have It's just a really good one. Yeah, exactly. It's it's just phenomenal. It's it's uh it's an album for everyone. But that's not to say yeah. that there's anything missing from other hip hop albums. Anyway than you know, any more than we're saying that there's anything missing from other rock albums that aren't prog rock or anything right. like that. Absolutely. Right. This record's just different. It's very unique. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, well, the next track is uh, is a brief skit called The Fantabulous Wrath Extravaganza, <laughs> and I'm just we're just going to play the whole thing. Yeah. Be there for the rap battle. It's going to be interspectacular, fantabulous. It'll blow your socks off. It's one of those things where machine versus man, man versus woman, woman versus your mother. Be there, intergalactic rap battle. It's instupituous. So that's Prince Paul telling you about the rap battle. Yeah. And who is Prince Paul, Mike? Prince Paul more or less invented the hip hop skit. He was the guy who produced, he was mainly known for uh, his production work with De La Soul. And those first couple of De La Soul albums were just packed with all these little skits. And 
it started a trend in hip-hop that a lot of people find annoying. A lot of people <laughs> like to skip over them. But, Rich, you mentioned something interesting about them that I hadn't thought of before. And what is that? Well, I think it's perfect that something by Prince Paul, who basically invented skits, is the first real skit we cover. And um, I think that since this is also our first hip-hop album, I, I want to digress for a bit to talk about like how we're going to approach skits. Um, like Mike said, a lot of hip-hop fans despise them. And they've increasingly gone out of style, uh, which is just one of uh, one of many like invisible influences that Kanye West has had on the genre in recent years. But I also think um, it's important not to write them off because they're a part of hip hop tradition. And um, actually, they originated as a response um, and as a continuation of the minstrel show tradition, but, uh, but sort of like, you know, an empowering uh, equivalent of it. I don't know the full history, but there's a there's a book called Darkest America, Black Minstrelsy from Slavery to Hip Hop by, um, by Yuval Taylor. And uh, there's also a really great Little Brother album called The Minstrel Show from uh, 2005 that presents the album as a variety show and makes the connection explicit. Um, so... Uh, basically, like as for how, how we'll cover skits on the show, we can discuss them in more detail if they're particularly good. But for the most part, we'll just note them really quickly and then move on. So I think that's what we're going to do right now. So we'll move on to track four, uh, Things You Can Do. You you don't think that a Don King parody <laughs> merits uh, another five minutes of discussion? <laughs> I just, Maybe not. you know, I, it probably doesn't need to be there, but I'm glad that it's there because it makes me laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Check it out. Yo, Del Charge from the force. Ain't no other source of sunlight. Two ton mic, leave you tongue tied. Running them up with technology with no apology. Shouting out to my colony with third eye physiology. Millennium past apocalypse is all I spit. Make you swallow it, your weak style. I'll abolish it with nuclear rockets. They glue to your optics with sci fi. Unsettling, man in metal blends. Underground, chilling with the mole man. And it's whole. Had to fit that line in about chilling with the mole man. Uh, like a lot of the songs on here, this mainly functions as an excuse for Dell to drop some heavy sci-fi imagery on you, and that's just fine with me because he's really, really great at it. Like, the guy knows his stuff. Right. But most of the first half of this album is boasting. Yeah, but it's really great boasting, and it's he's done his research. There are so many sci-fi references on this album, and I probably caught, like, you know, an eighth of them. I, I'm always hearing more of them. Uh, every time I listen to it. So the the hook of this song is sampled from a song called What Can the Matter Be by the Poppy Family, which is a bit of social commentary from 1970. And it's uh, the Poppy Family was a group uh, featuring Susan and Terry Jacks. And Terry Jacks is the same Terry Jacks who did Seasons in the Sun. His Your color is black and some won't accept that No, dear What can the matter be? No, dear No, what, what actually even impressed me more is that I, in the past few years discovered the Poppy family's dark bubblegum song uh, Where Evil Grows hmm. which uh, was featured in uh, the Kids in the Hall miniseries that was on IFC, whose name I can't think of off the top of my head. Death Comes to Town? And I think this is not the last we're going to hear of the Poppy family. No, itself. it's not, which is which is correct. I thought they were just this sort of not really one hit 
wonder well maybe more because i figured they were canadian because they were on kids in the hall but to learn that they were the the main hook for this song really did uh shock me make me happy (laughs) (laughs) and the other the other main sample uh during the verses is from a song by bob azam or azam i'm not sure how to pronounce his name it's a song called mr love and luggage man (laughs) one of the better titles ever yes I like that. I am. I am going to have to re- retrieve that. I liked that a lot. So, in a really great oral history of the album that I read, uh, so Dell said that he used to play a lot of the uh, NES, uh, their Nintendo game Mega Man, which, as anyone who has spoken to me for more than ten minutes <laughs> knows, is uh, is one of my favorite series. I have a uh, I have a bead mural in one of my rooms that uh, that depicts all eighty one of the bosses throughout the entire series. Uh, I'll provide a link to it. We uh, anyway, yeah, we really should. <laughs> it is it is phenomenal. We have to share that. Yeah, sometimes I stare at it and think I am just there's something not right with me. Um, anyway, <laughs> so what I'm what I'm getting at, so there's a there was a sequel series to Mega Man uh, called Mega Man X that took place a hundred years in the future, and it was more like the dystopian, apocalyptic version of Mega Man. And so Dell likened Deltron to being the Mega Man X version of the normal Dell, <laughs> which I found particularly amazing, just given my own personal interests. But uh, anyway, for that reason, I picture <laughs> Dell getting all of the gear in this song by like you know. Trying traveling throughout the city and discovering upgrade capsules that have been hidden throughout the city by like, you know, automator's predecessor in the past, (laughs) which is what happens in Mega Man X. Um, Anyway, I don't have anything actually to say about the song, except that I really like it. And it's super catchy. It was the first song from Deltron that I heard because a friend of mine played this for me when I told him how much I liked Clint Eastwood. But, you know, there was nothing else like that on the Gorillaz album. So he played me Mm -hmm. this and it was exactly what I was looking for. I feel like I've heard that from a, a lot of people that it's exactly that that puts it really well, Phil, that it's exactly what they were looking for uh, for the genre, sort of. Yeah, but I really like it flows really well. I like the weird kind of like acoustic guitar bit, which I don't know where that's sampled from, if it's sampled from anything. Oh, yeah, that that guitar sample. I couldn't find a source for that. I'm not. So I don't know. But like all the different like elements of this just come together really well. And as on every track on the record, Dell's in top form. He's just awesome mm-hmm. throughout. So yeah. this one's great. All I have to add is that for a long time, I thought that the song sounded like it was saying things you can do, sell caviar, which uh, <laughs> which isn't the least lucrative thing you can do. So. I suppose. <laughs> it's an odd infomercial hidden in a uh, an experimental hip hop <laughs> album, which is the best place to, to sell your product. Things you can do. Sell caviar. Yeah, it's it's a it's a pyramid scheme. I was down on my luck, and then I started selling caviar. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, on that note, let's move on to track five: positive contact. Transmutation, brand new statement. I have you gaping open. Check it out, y'all. 
Now let's see, Deltron Z, R to Vendor, let's start the adventure. Pinchel with nerve gas, absurd blast, crash spacecraft, I'm bio-enhanced. Pyro advanced series, monstrous evolution, headed to the nail, scoop the trail, super sleuth, a new race, mad creator, savage nature, worldwide web, the ebb and flow, light years from watchful eyes, when my thoughts provide objective, the art decides to pop as prophecies, underground societies are art to lead, asteroids surfing, castor oil burping, the darkest side of humanity animated, the grand awakening, plan to take it in, I demand your patronage, mobilize my battle takes, with clusters small, empty arts to empty Mars, Many MCs cruise low Earth orbit. Easier for me to use my search warrant. Drift by a star, absorb it and store it. Leave Taurus, Corbus, my galaxy's gorgeous. Quantum jump, I'm right at your doorstep. Positive contact. So this is the hardest hitting track on the album, and it's the one most likely to get a crowd moving, I think. Uh, the main sample here is from a fuzzed-out psychedelic rock track from 1968 by the Hooterville Trolley called No Silver Bird. This one blew my mind. Yeah, I really like that one. Uh, otherwise, Dell continues blowing your mind by going all out with the sci-fi imagery and comparing his lyrical skill to intergalactic warfare. He really sounds like he's having fun on all these songs. It's like he had yeah. this, uh, like he had this inner nerd that he's had sort of hidden away for so long, and he finally has a chance to let him out. Where his older albums not particularly nerdy. I, I don't know them very well. S- some uh, of them, it, he evolved. Really. Like, yeah. His first solo album, I Wish My Brother George Were Here, has, like, some elements like that, but, like, he was moving more in this direction. Like, the album before this, uh, Both Sides of the Brain, was his solo album that came out right before this, uh-huh. and there's a song on that that's just him basically listing his favorite video games. <laughs> so, which, I, which I suppose includes Mega Man. I don't remember. I've only listened to that album a couple times, but... Rich will now be tracking it down because there may be Mega Man involved. That side of him was really starting to emerge more by the time this album came out. It had been slowly evolving. Yeah, so this is one of my favorite songs on the album, and Mike is totally right. It's because it's one of the few songs that really has any sort of bounce at all. It's the only song that can move a crowd, like you said. Um, it's also kind of basically a continuation of the last song where Dell was rapping about like all of the gear he has, and now like the weapons are blazing and he's flying around space, like showing like how much more awesome he is than everyone. Um, the plot of this album moves really, really, really slowly. Uh, I would say it doesn't really start until track 18. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I'm, we'll get there, but it's like Moby Dick, though. The whale doesn't show up until like the last five pages. <laughs> yeah. And, and otherwise, they're just a bunch of skits. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Skits about like, you know, fake whale biology. Right. Um, <laughs> skits about whaling. Yeah. Yeah. Ember Gris comes up a lot for a hip hop album. It's just absurd. The main thing the, the main thing I love about this song musically is uh, is right at the beginning when the downbeat changes at now let's see Deltron Z, which was in the clip. Uh, it feels to me kind of like Dell is locking and loading his rhymes, and uh, it really gives a sense of the song taking off, which uh, is appropriate since he's taking off into space. 
this song's extremely propulsive. It's, um, like you say, way more energetic than the previous two, which were a lot more artsy. Like, this mm-hmm. one, like, I still definitely like it, but I guess my own personal taste is I prefer this album when it's kind of darker and more slow and artsy. Like, I don't like it as much as the first two tracks. That said, it's still, you know, a really energetic track, and I like it quite a bit still because this whole album is, you know, very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at, at this point, I think it's worth uh, mentioning and then never speaking of again that there's also an instrumental version of this album available uh, just called Instrumentals, uh, which pretty much consists entirely of, of Automator's production. Um, and this this song particularly is interesting in the sense that you can pick out a lot of the subtleties that get lost beneath uh, Kid Koala's scratching and Dell's vocals, but it's not really interesting in any other sense. Like, the the sample that, that Mike played uh, pretty much consists of the whole thing. Um, and it, the, the instrumental version even includes the, the spoken uh, slash yelled samples in the chorus. So you'd have to go a long way for that the song not to retain some sort of fun. But the whole thing just feels dead without the other two thirds of the group. Yeah, it's, it's very it's strictly academic, I think. It's interesting to hear once. Yeah, exactly. But I don't understand. Like, I think this is a thing that some people do. Like, if they cut out the vocals, I can understand that. But why would they cut out Kid Koala's scratching? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's it's really like you said. It was it's an interesting academic sort of experience. But you want the yellow version of the album, is my point. There's there's yeah. the yellow version and the blue version. I think the blue version's very out of print, so you're unlikely to accidentally get it. <laughs> the, the the color blinds are are screwed. I think they might have had DJs in mind when they made the album. That's yeah. a good point. To, yeah, like the other leading brand. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly like the other leading brand. <laughs> should we should we move on, gentlemen? Yeah. Yeah. So the next track is a brief skit called St. Catherine Street, uh, featuring the late British DJ Mark Bell. Help a brother out, man. I got watches over here. You know what I'm saying? I was in Nam, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you know, World War II, three. You know what I'm saying? Yo, you into prosthetics? Yo, what's up? I got a leg, yo. Yo, I got a wheelchair. Check out my ribs, yo. I'm ice out crazy. Yeah. It's a skit. I... I don't really mind any of the skits on here. I think they're innocuous at worst, and really they they serve to give you a sense of the broader world of the album. Like there's a, a point in this one where he, he just kind of casually mentions uh, World Wars 3 and 4. So we, we get a sense of that history. And the thing with these skits is that even if they're kind of pointless and I don't really care about them, they're all so short that they don't really matter, like, in terms mm-hmm. of affecting, yeah. like, you know, your listening enjoyment of the album. It's not like some albums I've heard that have had, like, four and a half minute long skits on them, which just wreck the flow. You can't hate anything less than 30 seconds long. Yeah, well, these are just, like, little snippets that enhance, like, the atmosphere of it. They'd annoy yeah. me if they were, like, four and a half, five minutes long, which the worst hip-hop skits I've heard have been. But these yeah. are yeah. Well, one of the things I like is that um, one of the wares or among the wares that he's hawking are like basic or healthcare items like prosthetic limbs and wheelchairs, which uh, is just one of many uh, prescient things about this album, Social Commentary. Yes. Yeah, sadly. Yeah. So uh, let's go on to the next track. This is uh, track seven, Virus, which is a really popular one. 
I wanna devise a virus to bring dire straits to your environment. Crush your corporations with a mild touch. Trash your whole computer system and revert you to papyrus. I wanna devise a virus to bring dire straits to your environment. Crush your corporations with a mild touch. Trash your whole computer system and revert you to papyrus. I have already planned. is programmed into every one of my thousand robots. We will not hesitate. We will destroy the homo sapiens. Please stay where you are. This is possibly my favorite song on the album. I'm not sure, but it's definitely one of them. Trash your whole computer system and revert you to papyrus oh, that's is so such great. a great line. Yeah, that's awesome. I know in that oral history I was reading, Dan, the automator was really raving about that, saying like, wow, he broke it all down. <laughs> it's all it's all there. This is what he's going to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Dell's, I just really like Dell's hatred of computers on this song. It's really infectious. By the mm. time the song's over, you're going to want to throw your iPhone out the window. <laughs> uh, and this song had a lot of people believing Dell was some kind of prophet when really he was just paying attention to what was happening right now. Right. Uh, and there's actually, I have a quote from him where he said, I'd be at my Dell shows and people would be coming up to me like, Deltron, Deltron, in a frenzy or something. I don't know how to explain it, but some people just be crazy, thinking I'm prophesizing something literally. They'll start asking me questions about the future like I'm some kind of guru. Don't they know that he's just a rapper in a hip-hop trio? Exactly. <laughs> Sorry, that was a really deep Moody Blues reference. Yeah. I think that should be a good, a good one, though. <laughs> no. no, no, we're keeping it. Because I was thinking the same thing. Okay. Uh. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we got Moody Blues references in your hip hop. Uh, <laughs> it's delicious. But the uh, the main sample in this one is a track called Atlantis by the German jazz fusion group Release Music Orchestra. Yeah. Even the I'm surprised that even the chimes are there. Yeah. And then it gets all happy. Yeah, the um the lead instrument kind of changes the mood entirely. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, well that is that isn't that is something that happens a lot on this album is that a lot of really light tracks become really dark tracks. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. And also the uh the spoken section in the middle that's from a Star Trek read-along record. And I think it's a good example of uh, Kid Koala sort of serving as a comic foil to uh, right. Dell's darker visions. Yeah, this is a, a particularly dark track. I mean, I, I think apart from Turbulence, which we'll get to, this is probably the the one that most successfully sort of underlines that these characters are indeed in a dystopia and they the citizens possess this sort of righteous anger. yeah. And the, like you said, the only real levity in this song comes from Kid Koala, the the Star Trek sample. And then there's an opening sample, uh, which we don't necessarily need, of this paranoid Art Bell type rambling about a one world government. Yeah. Well, that's that's Koala, right? That's uh, so that's what he does on the album. When, some, I, would, when something, I would think so. Just when like a, just when a, a clip from something pops up, I assume that that's Koala. Yeah, yeah. that one. I'm not sure. Automator mm-hmm. might have thrown that in. But if you hear something being like scratched. That's definitely mm-hmm. koala. Right. Yeah, it's it's not really quantified anywhere that I could find. 
Yeah. Yeah, I'm making my, I'm making myself sound like I've never listened to hip hop, but it, this is actually <laughs> a really un, this is actually a really unusual thing for like a hip hop album to have like a dedicated scratcher who's different from the producer. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the only other thing I wanted to say here is that I kind of wish a virus to bring dire straits to your environment involved making your computer only play dire straits, but <laughs> we can't we can't have everything we want. Well, it reminds me of the Weird Al Yankovic song, Virus Alert, which involves a line about making your iPod play only Jethro Tull. Exactly. Which is going to be my one and only Weird Al reference this episode. <laughs> That's the, your, your one allotted Weird Al reference. Yes. <laughs> Still haven't used my Simpsons reference yet. <laughs> uh, anyway, I think uh, I think this is the only song that Dell regularly performs at his solo show. Is, it, is, is that correct, Mike? Oh, yeah? Yep. It's, oh. It, I can confirm that. I saw him live yeah. a couple times, and this is the only song from Deltron he played both times. Yeah, it's a well. I think it's because it's so centered on his flow. With uh, this time, Automator is really taking a backseat and relying mm-hmm. pr- primarily on one sample, which is largely kept intact. Um, yeah, Del is Del is really good on here. Um, my my favorite line is uh, the last punks walk around like masked monks, which is a, a funny parallel between like monks' robes and hoodies. Hmm. Um, yeah, and um, I also just love that there uh, there are references to Y two K and uh, enhanced DOS, which is yeah. just Insta two thousand. <laughs> yeah, no Microsoft or enhanced DOS will impede. Well, I'd hope not in thirty thirty. <laughs> yeah, for people younger than us, uh, there's no such thing as enhanced DOS. This is an invention of Dell's. Um, <laughs> if you don't know what DOS is, look it up on Wikipedia. Go to Wikipedia and Google it, <laughs> <laughs> or look it up at Alta Vista. <laughs> so when i'm not like on this podcast um dropping my crazy musical knowledge or whatever it is i do here uh, my day job i'm an engineer like i am a computer programmer so when i was in college that's what i was studying i have a degree in computer science so when i discovered this album like many you know college students i had kind of a you know i hate the system kind of thing going on <laughs> And, you know, as a, I was a computer programmer and I was kind of like down with everything. And this song really clicked with me at the time for, <laughs> you know, hearing this guy just talk about making computer viruses to destroy society. I <laughs> loved this one. I still love this one. I love the sample. I love it's kind of a dark, menacing groove, like like the weird little do 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 part that comes in kind of dissonantly yeah so like really emphasize like you know guitar bit yeah like to just kind of emphasize like the stuff that like dell is talking about doing he's erecting immaculate design but yeah i love this one this is one of my favorites on the record yeah it's my favorite for sure okay so moving on to track eight this is upgrade a Bryn Mawr college course Upgrade's a gray matter, cause one day it may matter. Yo, your recovery slow, my dual input, plus my modem, the two send foot. Long songs, instrumental, digital projector, professor. I school you on the art and how it sets your map. Get to act together, my style is mega. Educate the heads of eight lonely beggars. Only shred of evidence is a virtual file. Store within the cerebellum, hit you burka with style. Upgrade your gray matter, cause one day it may Upgrade your gray matter because one day it may matter is a hell of a way to say get on my level. Yeah. Uh, And this is one of my favorite productions on the album because it's got this weird floating feeling like you're levitating or in zero gravity up in space or something. And the main sample in this one is from Spring Fever 
by Swedish electronic artist Ralph Lundston from 1978. Not Dolph Lundgren. No. (laughs) Well, then I have no use for it. No, he was busy earning his doctorate in chemistry. (laughs) Look it up. Uh, I think it would depress me. pretty straightforward sampling job as you can hear yeah i'm i'm actually surprised by how straight a lot of these samples are and and how automator didn't really fiddle with them i was also surprised by the same thing it's he just kind of picked really good sounding samples and let them do their thing yeah exactly and then and then let obviously dell go on top of it yeah, one thing one thing I like about this song is it's a kind of deliberately ambiguous message because um, there's this really funny intro to the song, and I think we should just have a clip here. Here at Brymark College, we can get you prepared for the 31st century with advanced programming in quad rendering and Java++ scripting language. We offer advanced job placement assistance. So upgrade your grain matter, cause one day main matter, main matter, main matter. What I love about the little like skit at the beginning is that it's like this super early stab at the whole like STEM education mindset. And uh, I don't know, I love the idea that a historically liberal arts college like Bryn Mawr would be exclusively devoted to like churning out uh, automatons to serve capitalism by 3030. Um, yep, right. Advertising the um, training in the non-existent Java++ scripting language. <laughs> yeah, it's it reminded me of I mean, lately, Elon Musk's mysterious school Ad Astra, which I guess is exactly that thing. It just turns out these these kids who don't know how to do nothing except the the STEM mm-hmm. curriculum. But anyway, at the same time, Dell is boasting about how smart and advanced his brain is because he's used all of this futuristic technology to advance it. So at the there's there's yeah, like I said, there's an ambiguous message going on here that I like. It's, it's not willing to come down on one side. And uh, I think it's a pretty neat, like Mike said, it's a pretty neat production, though. Honestly, I personally don't find it particularly fun to listen to, but it's it's fine. See, this is one of my favorites on the album, actually. I really like the more minimalist stuff to the stuff like mm-hmm. uh, Positive Contact. Like mm-hmm. just this 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 simple minimal groove over which Dell like lays down a series of weird boasts. Just I can sure. gro- I groove on it the whole time. I really yeah. Love it. That's that's the thing when I say that it, a song is like one of my lesser favorites on the album. At, at worst, you're still getting Dell rapping over it, which is right. like, <laughs> he, he's he's perfect throughout the album. Yeah, there's nothing less than good on this album. No, yeah, I don't think so. Okay, so the next the next track, track nine, is a skit called New Coke. When are I gonna start showing the to T reruns? I used to love that guy. Remember, honey, you used to watch Mr. T. Wrestling? Your Coca-Cola doesn't taste the same as it used to. Remember when a bowl of soup was a nickel? All that bass is gonna break my ears. So that's Money Mark, who you might know from his keyboard work with the Beastie Boys. Uh, but here he plays a curmudgeon who can't stand the kids these days with their hippity hop. Yeah, I, th- I think this this one's pretty funny to me. I think the main joke here is that the curmudgeon's complaints in 3030 are just indistinguishable from something from 2000. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I also love that apparently in the year 3030, like people are still talking about like Hulk Hogan and Mr. T versus Roddy <laughs> Piper and Paul Orndorff <laughs> and the main event of WrestleMania one. Like that is still something that's being discussed. Yeah, there's kind of a it, it, it kind of reminds me of the movie Idiocracy. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, um, I guess. Yeah. And we're going to get further into that in a in a bit where we talk about uh, what bits of culture survived into the 31st century. But mm-hmm. that's that's a few tracks down the line. All right. So this one's one of my personal favorites. This is track 10, Mastermind. Hey, man, let me ask you a question, man. See if you know what's up. Big this. Who fuses the music with no illusions Producing the blueprints Clueless Automator The fight laws of nature Electronic monolith Throw a jam upon the disc The futuristic looping with the quickness Hyper-producing Hydrogen fusion liquids Keep your distance And this is another one of my favorites because I'm a producer myself, so obviously I'm going to be a big fan of songs about how awesome your producer is. There are a lot of those in hip-hop. <laughs> yes, and I'm, I'm a fan of that uh, sort of micro-genre, I guess. That, that's, a, that's another thing I love about hip-hop is that you can't get away with that in rock. Like, uh, you, two right. couldn't, yeah. you, two could, you, you two couldn't record a song about how awesome Steve Lillywhite is. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer did with Are, Are You, you Ready, Ready, Eddie? About yeah. their producer, oh. Eddie Offert. Okay, it, ha- it happens sometimes. And, and like, uh, and Hall Notes have Gino, the manager, and stuff like That's that. That's true, yeah. <laughs> but not very often. But it's always kind of goofy. Yeah. Yeah, whereas here it's awesome. <laughs> so the main sample here is from a song by Johnny Olivo. Uh, I hope I'm pronouncing that name right. A Puerto Rican singer. Uh, the song's called Algean. Te besará toda la piel y de tu miel saboreará. Alguien será. Alguien dividirá mi corazón. Man, that's very directly the sample. Yeah, it's so great hearing it in context, though. That yeah, right. that's the thing about sampling. A lot of the time is that it's it's about finding a part of a song that works. Like right. He, yeah. he, he yeah. didn't just take all of this song and like you know uh, have Del rap over it. Like he found this amazing bit. And this is a really obscure song, right, Mike? Yeah, I couldn't find any information about this guy except that he was sampled by Deltron. This just all makes me wonder how Dan the Automator even found all this stuff. I mean, kudos to him. He did a great job. He's he's but... a serious crate digger. Yeah, digging yeah. through record bands. It's a, That's just how it goes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the other sample I think is worth mentioning is uh, from the song Loud, Loud, Loud by the Greek prog rock band Aphrodite's Child, which was uh, Vangelis's old band. Uh, before he got famous doing Blade Runner and Chariots of Fire and all those things. This sample I actually know because I have this record and it rules. Oh, it's it's so weird. The day the walls of the cities will crumble away, uncovering our naked souls. We'll all start singing, shouting, screaming. Wow. Yeah, that sounds up my yeah, that, alley. That poem at the beginning of uh, On the Threshold of a Dream sounds pretty good now, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're doing callbacks now. Yes, yes, we are. Uh, the, the main thing I think is so impressive about that is that it, the original song, I, I really like the album it's from. It's this really weird concept album about yeah. the apocalypse. But that song is just not very good. It's, I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a child lisping bad poetry. Over it's this. one of the weakest tracks on that record, easy. Yeah, and 
automator found a way to make it really work, and it actually becomes really kind of menacing nice. in context. He slows it down a little bit, which I think yeah. is part of it. Yeah, this is this is my favorite song on the album, and uh, I don't really know a hip hop song like it. It's um, it has kind of a trade off structure where Dell gets the verses, but then Koala scratches for like what I guess is the chorus. And I love that what he's scratching is is Dell from the Handsome Boy Modeling School album. That's that's actually a pretty consistent thing on this album. Like a lot of the stuff that Koala will scratch is quotes from Dell and other hip hop, like um, De La Soul comes up and we'll see some other ones later on. Yeah, he's 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 sampling he's sampling uh, Dell saying D-E-L and then Tron from a Mantronic song. That's what he's saying? Yeah, D-E-L Tron. I yeah. could never figure it out. I got the Handsome Boy Modeling School. Uh, yeah, bit. but it's from it's from the song uh, King of the Beats by Mantronics. Ah, there's this little like exchange during the coda that I think we should include a clip of, and um, it pretty much confirms my um, what I was saying earlier about this being like a play or a movie because uh, Dell and Koala are both auditioning for Automator there. Like he's a they break the fourth wall here. Hey, I know now, I know now. Repeat. Automator's on the planet Earth, and he's gonna stop the war of the world. Now, how would he do that? Pete. Deltron Zero is here as well to click together for real. That's pretty good, man. Yeah. He told y'all either do as he is truly gifted in the matters of rhythm. Yeah, I'll give him that. Yeah, you gotta give him that. With his infinite wisdom, you know you gotta get with him. How's that? How's that? How'd I do? Was good job. Was All is really? well with the cosmos. Yes, yes, I got the part of Yeah! Yeah, man! See, this one, I like it. I like the sample. I like the beat. But it, the song doesn't stand out to me. It's just another good track that I enjoy. I think my, my roommate would play it all the time in uh, around <laughs> 2004, and it really the sample got really drilled into my head hmm. in, a, in a good way. The best kind of head drilling. Yes. Well. Oh, no. Yeah. My brains. Okay, so uh, the, the the next uh, the next track is a strange one. It's a skit called National Movie Review. Today's movie on the Universal National Network is a classic, starring in the two comedic geniuses of North American cinema from the 20th century, Bob and Doug McKenzie. Entitled Strange Brew, it chronicles the heroic adventures of two Latter-day Renaissance men, or, to use the correct 20th century terminology, hosers. We give it three thumbs up. Why on earth, <laughs> in the middle of your dystopian sci-fi rap concept album, is the guy from the Crash Test Dummies talking about the Bob and Doug McKenzie movie? Well, I think Rich has a pretty good idea why. Why don't you tell us? Ah, Mike. Well, I can't speak much for why Brad Garrett is there other than he's Canadian and Strange Brew is a movie about Canada. But um, I think this is actually one of the most important tracks on the album because uh, it sounds like a stoned one-off. But um, I, I think what it's trying to say here is that there's no way to predict what art will stand the test of time. And in 3030, apparently Strange Brew made the cut. <laughs> and uh, you, you can see like signs of this uh, like all over the skit. Like, I, I mean, he, he doesn't say Rick Moranis and Dave Thomas. He says Bob and Doug McKenzie. That's the name of the actors to them in the future. Yeah. Um, and uh, similarly, he doesn't he, he actually doesn't say I, I believe he doesn't actually refer to them as Canadians. He, refer, he refers to it as a classic of North American cinema. And uh, right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So it just um, and uh, after a lot of boasting in the first half, like uh, the second half of the album actually dispenses with all of that and introduces these really heavy themes of time and memory. And this is where it starts on this ridiculous skit with the Crash Test Dummies guy. 
So that's a that's not a bad analysis. <laughs> yeah, that really kind of blew my mind. <laughs> yeah, I just and I just noticed uh, he says we give it three thumbs up, and then when we get to love song, uh, he's hitting on a woman with three buttocks, isn't he? So mm-hmm. it, yes, he is. Well, I think that's all just a total recall reference. Uh, is that yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's that would that analysis? Sense. Why don't you take off, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Hey. Uh, yeah, <laughs> one of us. One of us had to say it. This is Canada. We're all nice to each other. Um, <laughs> well, so I, uh, I, I've, I've caused us to spend way too long on this track. So let's move on to the next <laughs> actual song, which is track twelve. Madness. People take pride in what they have no hand in. Sort of like a phantom, holographic, handsome. But deep inside, he want to do what his man does. Just because his peers cheer and clown. And when you six feet deep, no one hears you now. They said we not compatible like deers and cows and owls. So many rules and regulations say you're not allowed. Cut the grip of the city. Madness. I'm caught I love that deers and cows and owls are not compatible. <laughs> yeah. So here we see Dell giving the technological metaphors a rest for a moment so he can tell you what's really on his mind. And he's got a lot on his mind. Mm-hmm. This is some of the most direct social commentary on the whole album. And aside from the intro, there's very little in the song to indicate that it takes place in any time other than the present. Mm-hmm. And all the primary samples in this song come from different sections of another Poppy Family track called Of Cities and Escapes. I'm caught in the grip of the city Madness and smoke That's what that sounds like. That's all I've got to say about the track. I feel like the themes here are so heavy that I'm not really, I'd be out of my depth trying to talk about them. To me, this is where the album kind of becomes unstuck in time, weirdly. Like, there's references to contemporary things like Marlboros and um, our, our contemporary brand names like Marlboro, though, for all I know, that still exists in 3030. Um, musically, it's not one of my favorites on the album because uh, it, I'm just generally not a fan of, of, like, sample as chorus, even when it's a really just obscure sample. But I think that just suddenly, like, a uh, dropping like all of the future trappings is really jarring and effective. I, I like the lyrics on this one. There's a few yeah. lines that stick out to me. Mm-hmm. I like the line about like um, hip hop being in like museums. I like the line about like people taking pride in what they have no hand in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good line. I like the messages that, you know, Dell is coming up with on this one. I think it's very good lyrically and a nice change of pace. Yeah. Musically, it's it's fine. It's another good track. Right. Yeah. yeah, I feel the same way music, pretty much the same way about everything. I I think the one notable element is that that sort of vocal trumpet scratching or the, the scratching that sounds like somebody doing a sound with their mouth is the one element that sounds sort of like what you're in for on Kid Koala's first few solo albums. But otherwise, I... If I had to choose one song on the album to cut, it would be this one. It just feels redundant to me in a way, though still not in any way unpleasant. Well, I think it's really thematically relevant that it's on the album. I just wish it was a little catchier. Um, But I think the main effect that it's supposed to have is just to make people say, oh, wow, this album is social commentary. (laughs) He's not talking about the year 3030 at all. 
Whoa, okay. they're, they're inventing a new type of fiction. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, all, all the best science fiction is really about what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. So. What? <laughs> I know, right? I just blew your mind. <laughs> I thought that was just The Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> okay. Uh, we have another skit for you. This is Meet Cleophus Randolph, the Patriarch, track 13. What's happening? I keep my dreadlocks in a napkin ring, rap and sing. Unlike the homogenous clones, I'm into earth tones, bristles, and erogenous zones. The more ticklish, the more you have. Sitting on the curb of what used to be the burbs, and before that was Canarsie. I'm a disturbed and bitter herb like salt water and parsley. Mites crawl up, tights fall down. That's my mnemonic force, stalactite slash stalagmite. You may have this maglite, it survived the apocalypse. And for the fragile force of an agile horse, here's a handful of very special chocolate chips. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I got nothing to say about this one. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> As a result of this, I purchased MC Paul Barman's album, Paul Hallelujah. <laughs> And I, I hope that others will not make the same mistake. So fill me in here. Who's MC Paul Barman? He's uh, uh he's like nerdcore, isn't he? I don't know much about him. I don't really either. I feel like I, I honestly get him a little confused with Harmar Superstar, who actually is enjoyable. All I know about Harmar Superstar is that he's on the new season of Mystery Science Theater 3000. Really? Mm. Yeah, there, he's the main guy in the band. No way. Yeah, that's him. Well, okay. Yeah, that's that's enough about that skit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I look, yeah. I declare we have spent entirely too much time on this skit. It is time for track fourteen. Time keeps on slipping. <laughs> Universe. Every time I use a verse to fulfill my destiny, MCs rest in peace. Side barriers provide care within from impurities. Every word will seize your attention like third degree. I subjugate you up the fake performance while the bass hug your face. No sentient being attempts fleeing. MC siphon my likeness, bites in my insights like five enchiladas. This plane of existence is amazingly different from my orbital. So that's kind of the first Gorillaz song. In a yeah, way. that one has Damon Albarn, we should note. Yeah, too bad uh, his hook is kind of weak. Uh, I've never been a big fan of his falsetto, mm-hmm. but I do like the rest of the song. This is, actually has one of my favorite samples on the album just because of where it's from. It's from this cover of Walk On By, the Burt Bacharach tune, uh, done in a vaguely Baroque, easy listening style by a group called the 18th Century Corporation. can barely recognize that one yeah it's the how he found that at all is really impressive to me and also this is we touched on this a little bit earlier i think but uh, this is one of my favorite samples on the album just because literally no one asked for an album of vaguely baroque easy listening covers of burt Bacharach songs (laughs) and this is an album that if automator hadn't sampled it would really have no reason to exist (laughs) so he he kind of retroactively gave it purpose and I, I love when things like that happen. Is it like a like a joke album? Like the Nutley Brass covering the Ramones? Or no, it's it's just one of those things that... One of those easy listening albums they just pumped out in the 60s by the thousands. 
So this huh. this kind of sounds like a, a RZA production to me, uh, RZA from the Wu-Tang Clan. Uh, it's just how it's sort of uh, hazy and discordant. And um, it hadn't really occurred to me how much influence uh, RZA's sound would have on uh, Damon Albarn's future productions in general, like uh, The Good, The Bad, and The Queen, and uh, even the most recent Blur album, uh, which is a lot darker than their previous ones as far as... Actually, I'm not sure if that's true. But anyway... Um, this one's pretty solid. I, I, it grew on me a lot when I was prepping for this uh, episode. Uh, Dell's flow increases a notch in both speed and intensity and stays that way for most of the rest of the album, which I like. And um, mm-hmm. this seems like a strange choice for a single for me, but I guess the second time was the charm for this particular team. Yeah. <laughs> this is probably my least favorite song on the album. Like, Dell is good as he always is. He's never not good. But he doesn't have any lines here I find too memorable. I don't... I don't, I'm not too into the beat. I find Damon Albarn actively annoying. <laughs> oh, really? Like on this track. I mean, I like Blur. Well, no, no, I no. Like no. Damon I... <laughs> Albarn, but I find him annoying on this track. Why is that? It's just, I, I don't like his falsetto. Like, I don't think it works. For a hook, it's not terribly catchy. No. No. It's, it's weak. I'm like, and again, I like the song, but it's entirely on like Dell's talent and uh, charisma. Yeah. Yeah, I am. Um, I'm actually not really sure how the title and the and the hook fit in thematically. Like, uh, it, I guess my best guess is that it could refer to the often observed trend that hip hop stars would tend to burn bright for a couple albums and then fade away. Which um, uh, I don't know. I, I just don't hear anything else about time on this song, but I know it's really important to the album. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. I don't. I wouldn't necessarily think that the the title and the the track need to be connected. Yeah, I'm, uh, this, this, I mean, especially given the content of the title. Yeah, this album is just really uh, has just really activated my analytical brain. Oh yeah, no, I think it's great that that you're you're pulling on these things together. I, th- I think it it takes that approach really well. Yeah, and uh, yeah. but sometimes I might overanalyze. Maybe no, that well, that's half the fun. Yeah, and there's a lot to analyze here. So yeah, this is my podcast. I can say whatever I want. <laughs> that's that's true. <laughs> Okay. I, mean, I kind of feel like I'm only scratching the surface of some of these songs. Like, there's a lot to take in here. Yeah, well, as a producer, especially, I'm, I'm sure there's just like a ton going on technically. That uh, yeah, uh, but also, is... also just uh, the number of references and things and metaphors that Dell throws in to every song. Like, you could probably you could probably spend the time we've spent just going line by line in one song. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna get us three quarters of the way through this album, damn it. Here's track 15. <laughs> the News, parentheses, a wholly owned subsidiary of Microsoft Incorporated. <laughs> My favorite thing about this one is the title. Uh, <laughs> and I always thought the vocals in this one were just some random sample automator found, but it's actually uh, an Icelandic musician named Haftis Huld. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing her name right. I'm going to butcher everybody's name here. But she's talking about Armageddon and aliens and things like that. Yeah, I think this one adds to the atmosphere of the album, like all of the other skits. Uh, there's not really much to it. I think the Iceland, it gives you a sense of global panic reaching the most remote locations. But um, that's that's the main way I think it adds. What's the sample, Mike? I think it's it's really just a direct... Uh... Yeah, it's just a direct lift. I didn't include a clip of it or anything, but it's it's from a Vicente Fernandez song. Mm-hmm. 
And the drums are from the same uh, Christine McVie track we heard earlier. Oh, really? Yeah, so there's a continuation going on. Gift that keeps on giving. Yeah. Yeah. To me, it, it almost sounds like a, a Sparkle Horse, something that would wind up on a, in the middle yeah. of a Sparkle Horse album or some, some indie rock sort of thing rather than a hip-hop album. Except uh, Sparkle Horse would uh, play it on like an old 78 or something. <laughs> of course, yeah. It would sound like it's melting. But Yeah. Okay, track 16, we have Turbulence. Uh, Turbulence Remix? Yeah, I didn't know there was an original. Yeah, I haven't I haven't spotted the original either. Everybody's spirits are under control. Computers run with the soul. Elitist defeaters, they live by the beaches. Bubble dome over the hemisphere, so you can't enter here. We live in the dumps with mutant rodents. With blood red eyes, saliva drips for opponents. Scratch your ID chip off, cause everybody own it. I envision turbulence and murder since it's an everyday occurrence. I envision turbulence and murder since it's an everyday occurrence. This is easily the darkest track on the whole album. Dell is making it very clear just how dystopian he can be. Uh, yeah. My favorite line here is aliens landed and said our planet wasn't worth invading. And <laughs> yeah. And Automator's production uh, really matches that. It's some of the darkest work he's ever done. It's full of these really eerie, swirling strings. And there's this long stretch in the first verse where the beat just drops out entirely and Dell is left alone to fend for himself in the wilderness. And dark by Automator standards isn't really that dark because his style is usually pretty stoic. So it's really more like a movie soundtrack kind of darkness. But I think it works really well here. And uh, the only source for a sample I could find for this track is The Best Is Yet To Come by Thrift Store Mainstay's Frandy and Teicher. Pretty much made for hip-hop. Yeah. I, th- yeah. I think that song's been sampled a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure where the the eerie strings I mentioned uh, came from. I'm wondering if Automator composed that part himself. Yeah, this this is the only point on the album where the link kind of starts to drag on me. Like I, I don't I don't mind the song, but I'm kind of done with scene setting at this point. No matter how dark, and just kind of want to get to the fireworks factory. There's my Simpsons reference. <laughs> 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 yeah, I I disagree on that. I I feel like it's it's an important one just in the sense of how chilling it is yeah, and how, how confident um, automator is in that he will let the beat drop out and just leave this minimal production behind uh, Dell as he's covering all these, these really horrible, horrible topics that are no longer fun. I mean, yeah, Yeah, that that's the coolest part of it. I think by far, like when it drops out and it just has Dell, like, you know, spitting those like kind of really dark you know lines like most of this song like it's fine it's i think this and time keeps on slipping are like the part of this album where it kind of loses me a little bit but that one part where like they just let dell almost be acapella mm-hmm. is really great okay and after um after turbulence we have a repeat of the fantabulous rap extravaganza part two Ladies and gentlemen, check out the rap battle of the century, the intergalactic rap battle, battle of all battles. Did you like that skit earlier about the rap battle? Because here's (laughs) another one. And I sort of get the feeling from this track. I mean, it's not based on anything. It's pure conjecture. But I I imagine 
Prince Paul just stopping by the studio one day and recording like 20 minutes worth of this stuff and he just picked the the two best bits. That sounds like a reasonable theory. Okay, this is repeated content. I will allow yeah, no, just, I will allow no more discussion. On. Let's move on to the fireworks factory. I mean, battle song. In a planetary adversary's battle for supremacy. Sounds like a good way to build up my infamy. Soon as automator sent for me, we headed over to receive our registration forms from the Galactic Embassy. Yes, may I help you? Remember me? To escape a global panic, we had to intercede. Oh, you're here for the battle forms? Yeah, can we get them for free? I'm afraid not, you'll have to pay the entrance fee. It was worth a try when we first arrived on Mercury. Gravity adjustment was a must -in. Step up contestant. Number 12, I was 13, he started burning. Ammunition that wasn't working His rudimentary technical abilities Couldn't kill me Not me for a loop, but I can still breathe He had the crowd going by appearance Here comes the anticipated interference From his squad of guards I bust back with an onslaught of hydrothermocline To burn a third eye Don't outnumber, I come with heat And trigger a massive explosion to the beat They hit me with compressed air Left my chest bare My sonic stun gun takes him out by the next snare So just as you were starting to get sick of all the scene setting, they <laughs> finally give you a song that tells a story. Usually by this point on a concept album, the narrative has started to fall apart. But this really gives me the feeling that they're just getting started. And you find out that they really weren't kidding about this being a rap battle because Deltron Zero is actually physically obliterating his enemies through sheer lyrical skill. His enemies here include some kind of alien with four arms, as well as a man who is literally just a dark shadow. It is awesomely nerdy. <laughs> yeah, I'd just like to note that the battle first takes place on Mercury, uh, then the second battle is on Pluto, and then the third one is on an Earth colony called Cecilia. I don't know where that is. Yeah, I don't either. Yeah. So This really goes all over the map of the solar system and beyond. Yes. <laughs> I also really like the production on this one. It has this really strangely syncopated beat and when it first comes in Dell's flow is also kind of off kilter so you're left for a moment wondering where the one is and eventually you get your bearings but there's this moment where you don't know and mm -hmm. uh, the main sample here is from a song called If You Lose Your Woman by the French jazz rock band Zoo. Your Woman by White Town? Yes. <laughs> This is the only song on the album that makes the year 3030 sound really awesome. Like, um, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, and uh, as much as I love Dell's skills with scene setting that you see all over the album, it makes me wish that it contained more beat by beat storytelling because he is really, really good at it. Like uh, Dell's interaction early on with uh, with the guy at the forms desk, he, he tries to get in for free. Yes. And then the guy says no dice and uh, Dell just wraps it all without breaking flow whatsoever. And it feels like something that could have been in a music video with him, like, you know, walking toward the camera or something. And um, I, I also really like that the final opponent is basically Goro from Mortal Kombat. And the fatality is Automator unleashing Eric B and Rakim. Like 
this one would have like i don't think it had a music video but i'm thinking like if you remember like the music video for triumph by the wu-tang clan where they keep on turning into swarms of killer bees i could imagine some kind of like crazy sci-fi thing for this song that would be kind of similar in tone absolutely Mm -hmm. i just like i (laughs) i actually i like how compact it is uh I mean, I, I could definitely get into if there were more storytelling and this were a bigger epic to sort of book in 3030 at the beginning. But I like that it's a four minute song that contains all this action. And yet, as, as Rich mentioned, it takes a whole chunk of the story to dramatize Dell trying to get in for free for no reason. <laughs> like, there's no indication that he's he's financially needy or anything he's just trying to sneak in well this is a dystopia <laughs> well yeah but it's i don't know it, it makes me indescribably happy <laughs> that he does that <laughs> okay we're getting so close to the end here everyone uh let's move on to track 19 love story yeah i just won 10 grand in the galactic Rhyme federation championship so i'm laughing a bit i feel like returning to earth and burning Looking at the inside of space station Time for Dell trying to take a vacation My expertise in aviation got us to a destination The East Bay My living quarters is completely froze Solid, I thaw it out with a heat ray Now I'm chilling in the sun of pulsating jet streams Keeping out in virtual reality my wet dreams Perusing my 20- So having won the intergalactic rap battle Which turns out to have not been all that intergalactic Because it all took place in the solar system <laughs> Uh... But here we have Deltron Zero returning home to the East Bay, yay, and attempting to hook up with a woman with three buttocks. And this gives Automator an excuse to indulge in some sleazy lounge music, which he would go all out with for his later project, Lovage. The main sample here is from Les Massacres du Dragon by Maurice Vander, who is the father of Christian Vander of Magma fame. Woo! Yeah, that that uh, reminds me that we need to cover some magma on here. Because if you think Deltron 3030 is a crazy space story, wait till you hear the multi-album saga of the planet Kobaya. Yes. Oh, Will's going to have to be on that episode. <laughs> yeah, I, I, <laughs> I was actually just thinking that somebody would probably drag me into that one. <laughs> <laughs> the original song somehow sounds even scuzzier than uh, than than Love Story. Well, I got it off of YouTube. That might be part of it. Uh, yeah. Some of these songs are really hard to track down. So if the quality's kind of hazy, that's that's why. We were talking about um, like a automator's like cinematic vision for the album, or like the way he presents it. And this is kind of the epilogue or the denouement to me. Like uh, you know, Dell just comes home to the East Bay, like uh, doesn't go to work, so he loses his job. He doesn't care, and it's only sort of a love story. Like uh, I, I don't think we get the end, or I don't think we like ever find out whether he hooks up with the woman with three buttocks. Um, no, yeah. we don't. Yeah, no, yeah. It's it's odd that way. He goes home, and then he goes to what, like a Comic Con, mm-hmm. sort of. Yeah. I don't have a ton to say about this song specifically, but I think it's I think this would be a good time to note just how kind of singular the vision of this album is, because a lot of hip hop albums have like a lot of guest verses and guest rappers. This album doesn't. It's all Dell all the time. It doesn't have any. 
Except mm-hmm. on, you know, yeah. a few of the skits and things, but on the, yeah. the songs themselves, none. But it really, you know, has a very singular vision, like that follows through the album all the way to the end here. And what's interesting about this one to me is that even when he's he's hitting on that woman, he's respectful to the point of almost being self-conscious and, and shy, which is unique for a hip-hop album, too. Oh, he, he's so self-conscious that he, he sends a robot to do it for him. Right, yeah, exactly. It's not what you usually hear. No, it's not. Okay, well, time for the uh, final full track on the album, track 20. Hip-hop albums have a lot of tracks. Uh, this is Memory Loss. And the city Dell is caught in the grip of is... (laughs) Oakland. (laughs) Yep. Now, the way the story ends, according to Wikipedia, is that while back home on Earth, Deltron Zero is ambushed by his enemies and has his memory wiped, plunging the world back into darkness. But I haven't been able to find any evidence of that on the album itself. Yeah. When we were talking a little bit before recording, I actually asked in our like group chat, like, so I looked at the Wikipedia article, uh, what? Is there any evidence of that? And I'm glad to know I'm yeah. not crazy because nobody could figure out what that was about. Somebody, yeah. Somebody just I think somebody made, just that made that up. it up. Yeah. As far as I can tell, this is really just about present-day Oakland. And the memory loss he's talking about is one that Dell is seeing experienced by other people. Right. He talks right. about, like, you know, parents who, like, adults who forgot what it was like to be a kid growing up and are, like, perpetuating, like, cycles that they lived through, you know. Yeah. Standard exactly. social commentary type stuff. Now, the two main samples for this song, uh, the harpsichord riff you hear, is from another song by Johnny Olivo, called Dame Una Sola Noche. Give Me One Single Night to Love You is the name of the song. Dame una sola noche para amarte y verás lo que haré. Dame la libertad para abrazarte and that massive beat and horn fanfare at the beginning come from Piazza di Siena by Piero Umiliani. And if you don't know that name, uh, you might know something he composed called Manamana. Do, 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 do. No way. Yep. Another thing I have to say about this is that I'm not really a big fan of Sean Lennon's cameo. It's, I mean, it's, it's all right. I just don't think it really needed to be there. See, I disagree on that. I think that's actually a high point. I really like that. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I do too. I, 
I can see disliking Sean Lennon's voice. I mean, I know you're, not, you're that's not your complaint necessarily, but I could I could understand if it were. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of part of it. But I yeah, I really enjoy it. Nope. I but I also enjoy Joe Jack Talcum of the Dead Milkmen, so I'm I'm a fan <laughs> of that that sort of vocalizing. So if uh, if Love Story is the epilogue of the movie, this is the song that the credits roll to for me. Like it's a you know, like the story is over and now you have like a thematically relevant song like where Del just, you know, raps directly about his hometown. And I can say like um well obviously like, you know, as a as a white suburbanite, well, I lived in Oakland for four years and I I obviously didn't have the same experience that Dell had, but um I did witness a lot of like condescension from elsewhere in the Bay Area about the city. Like, uh, for example, once I told somebody uh, at my workplace in San Francisco that I was uh, staying with a friend in Fruitvale, in the Fruitvale district in Oakland. And he said, oh, I hope you brought body armor. And it's like, oh, that's really funny. Stupid tech bro. Um, Yeah, I run into a lot of the same stuff. You're living in Richmond. Yeah. You know, people, oh, you, you live in a war zone. Yeah, and this is happening, and this this condescending attitude persists at the same time that like Oakland is rapidly gentrifying, yeah. like really, really quickly, like the rest of the Bay Area. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, so I think this, um, I really like this song, um, and I think that it's like the keynote statement, basically. Like, uh, to me, the idea of this album is that Dell is you know fighting a resistance with the power of hip hop, which has been outlawed. And um, this sounds silly on the surface, like uh, like Footloose or something, but I think that Dell and Automator and <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know the the hip hop Footloose. But I, 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 th- <laughs> yeah. I think I, th- I think Dell and Automator and Koala are getting at something a lot deeper than that. Like, um, because there's like so much on the second half of this album about time and memory, and like about how like society's collective short-term memory is creeping us closer to dystopia. And like, you know, you see it in the news cycle every day. Like, things get forgotten almost immediately because there's something there's like a yeah. new there's a new horror every single day. Yeah, this is this was well before the the 24-hour news cycle, as it's called. I think. Maybe not well before, but certainly before it. It was just starting to come into prominence. Yeah, it was it was well on its way to becoming like a huge thing. Anyway, so I think that what they're saying on this album is that like uh, the artists in hip hop are like um, what they're doing is a form of historical preservation because hip hop is a genre that directly nods to the music that came before. Like it doesn't try to hide that the music is uh, it com- comes from somewhere else. That it's like you know it doesn't have this veneer of originality, and that's because it's huh. yeah, and that's because it's like you know paying homage to the past. And I think that that this actually like plays out like in the form of the album like you have um you have dan the automator like you know using like a lot of samples that are primarily like there's not a lot of african-american culture in these samples there's a lot of world music there's a lot of like flower power and disco but like uh it's it's very like whitewashed in general and uh, the only like uh the only samples from like black music that you get on the album are from koala himself like you know kind of like battling alongside uh alongside dell um that's interesting because early, I think in thirty thirty, mm-hmm. he he says, "Black is our music. We will take back," or or something along those lines. Yeah. Uh, I've, how do you how do you square that? Just wondering. Wait. So what's what's the line again? No mistake, black is our music. We must take back. Oh yeah. Well, I, I, right. I mean, I guess I, I guess the idea. Um, I mean, because you know the 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 soundscape of the Deltron album is like built out of these like you know largely like non-black samples, for the most part. Um, And I think that that's like, you know, part of the idea is that like, you know, black music has been, you know, sort of wiped from uh, from the cultural memory and that it's the job of Dell and company to to help preserve it. 
I, I like I like that uh, that analysis. And so that's the whole metaphor that's going on here. Like that's what he saw g- and still sees, I assume, going on in Oakland hmm. and oh. and in just you know numerous you know, just tons of cities around the uh, across America. Like I live near Detroit, and that's definitely happening there as well. Oh yeah, oh for sure. That's where I grew up. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so uh, that thesis statement is what I have to say about that song. <laughs> I like that a lot. Yeah, it's deeper than what I would have come up with. Yeah, for sure. I want to talk about Manamana some more. <laughs> Who wants to talk about the Muppets? Okay, uh, let's. Uh, so there's only there's only one more track, and it's basically the same thing as the first track. This is the Ass Man Six Forty Speaks. I'm Cosmo Kramer, the Ass yeah. Man. <laughs> the ass man 640 damon alborn from the beginning of the album no it's an antique german dictation machine the osman and uh that's what you hear that's the machine you hear playing back damon alborn's bit from the beginning of the album and to me it kind of sounds like uh it's this last bit of human technology playing itself back in a vast uncaring wasteland like Ozymandias but I think it's also possible that they just found this old dictation machine and thought it had a funny <laughs> name <laughs> yeah it strikes me as a combo of uh, Ozymandias both a good poem and an excellent really depressing Breaking Bad episode um, that's my favorite one yeah, yeah. and uh, it, it's also kind of like a, a little bit of like history is written by the victors it's like yeah this um, this empire has collapsed but like you know the only voice you hear are the, is the voice of the rich people yeah, it's it's weirdly it's a kind of horrifying little tag in a way. Yeah. So let's move on to final thoughts. Uh, so, Mike, what do you uh, what, any conclusions about this album? Well, the the last time I listened to it in full, it struck me as the rare kind of album that lasts for an hour but doesn't feel about fifteen minutes too long. Especially since the the story ends right as it seems to be getting started, or it has that kind of anticlimactic. Mm-hmm. Uh, ending with the, the lady with the three buttocks. Uh, so it, it, I feel like I'm kind of left hanging, even though I've been listening for an hour. And that's I think that's one of the signs of a real quality album, mm-hmm. is if, you can, if it can leave you wanting more after an hour. Um, and there is more. There is. They, uh, after about 13 years, <laughs> they uh, finally released uh, Deltron 3030 Event 2. It's all right. Yeah. yeah, it has Zach De La Rocha on it. <laughs> and David Cross. Together at last. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I only listened to it once. I know that, that it was delayed for a really long time, apparently, because, uh, well, yes. like, um, Automator and um, Automator and Koala had the beats ready for a long time, but uh, Dell is really, like, meticulous about research, and he, he took, like, this entire time to come up with the rhymes. So uh, he's a workhorse. Yeah. And the, the main takeaway I wanted to leave you with for this album, I know the... The world is different than it was in 2000, and musical tastes are more omnivorous now. And I think the 17-year-old nerds of right now are probably listening to Death Grips or something. But if you're somebody who uh, has yet to really explore you know, the world of hip-hop, 
uh, unless you are dead set against the very concept of a person speaking rhythmically over a beat and calling it music, I guarantee you there are hip-hop albums you will love. And this may very well be one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I went into this uh, preparation for this episode considering the album like in my memory which, as we learn, you know, can be faulty. I, I, I considered it a catchy piece of novelty sci-fi, but um, I'm, tr- I'm really impressed at the depth of what the Deltron Trio put together here. And the album helped me get into hip-hop, and even a decade and a half later, I'm still learning new things about it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely think this is a classic. I disagree with Mike a little bit, and that I do think the album feels like, I don't know, maybe 10 minutes too long. Hmm. Like, I think it would be a tighter album if you dropped like I'm still not crazy about turbulence or time keeps on slipping. You could I wouldn't mind if those were dropped. I mean, they're not Mm. bad, but I think it would make it a tighter record. But that said, it's still very, very good. And I can't really disagree too much with what, you know, the people before me here have said, like, it's just it's well worth checking out. And I would definitely recommend doing so. Yeah, even like I I still as a. 38 year old slob consider myself an indie rock kid at heart and i think everybody else has said this was one of the ones that got me into hip-hop and i i can't entirely articulate why in a way that's been very frustrating to me but it's it's a really good entry entryway or gateway drug as i think phil said if, if you if you're even remotely interested in the genre so, Mike, I'm a person who loves Deltron. What other albums should I listen to by people in this crew? Well, you could listen to Handsome Boy Modeling School's So How's Your Girl, which is not super consistent because it's really a producer album with a lot of features, but it has some really terrific moments. And my favorite track on there is the one they did with Dell, which is called Magnetizing. Yeah, and this, that's the one that was sampled for Mastermind, right? Yes. Second, uh, second. In your presence is the prayers Dispensing these rhymes like pears Full color high res My lie just as high bias A lot of MCs ride my privates And I don't like it I'm the master of innovation That ain't the reek Well perhaps I'll bring a center stage then So you can beat my raps Got fail safes that derail fakes They just a pale make of my own chromosome I'm a critically acclaimed maniac That attacks tracks on wax or drum machines For your underlings and if you want to hear more of Automator's production, there's Dr. Octagon's Dr. Octagon Ecologist, which is a really good, solid album. It's got some great tracks like uh, Half Shark Alligator, Half Man. Half Shark Alligator, Half Man. My vomit fluctuates, cover your skull like protoplasm, lightning bugs turn pink, or my tongue catches spasm. You might need, uh, you need to have a stomach for some really scatological humor. At one point, he lists his phone number as PP51Doodoo. Uh, y- you have to be in the mood for that sort of thing. I am. Uh, Dell's solo work is worth looking into. One that I like is No Need for Alarm from 1993. The production is a lot grittier, but uh, not in a bad way at all. People have a memory loss. They don't remember I'm the boss. You clock the phone quick when I close it. In on your men and your faculty. Your whack of be out my face. You must be basic if you think that you 
you can tackle the triumphant I pump in the volume Increases your mises, get sliced to pieces Please listen to my album Even if you're white like Talcum and a pagan just stay I'd like to recommend his Oakland uh, crew, Hieroglyphics, uh, which uh, I find is generally best as a source of guest MCs who appear on other projects. But uh, but their first album, Third Eye Vision, is uh, is more killer than filler. You get to learn about a lot of cool Oakland MCs, and there are some really good dull spots on it. Utterly hovering over other things material. You stuck in the here and now. Plus you're sweating profusely. Here's a towel. Your fears are now reality. When I take your dream states and elaborate on how your team's fake. Funny. Funny ideas, but sometimes I feel like... Only I see through the charade you made in today, but hey, tomorrow is played, and then they got a new fool in your place to be okay. Hieroglyphics, hip hop is vintage. Yeah, and I, uh, it's it sounds absolutely nothing like anything we have listened to or discussed tonight. But Kid Koala's most recent album, Music to Draw to Colon Satellite, is one of the very best ambient albums I've ever heard. It's close. It's closer to like Eno or Finesse or or something like that. But it also has some some vocal tracks from Emiliana Torini, and it's it is phenomenal. I, I gave it an A plus when I reviewed it, and would do so again. Life So Mike recommended uh, Dell's solo album, No Need for Alarm. I would also recommend the solo album that he put out around the same time as Deltron, Both Sides of the Brain, which I think um, is very similar to this one in tone. It's got a lot more silly humor on it. Like there's a song on there that's just him talking about being stuck next to people who smell bad. The chorus involves him yelling about how you gotta wash your ass. Amazing, had to tell B.O. He didn't know, used to the fragrance. Just as the days went without bathing, he felt manly and not like a maiden. He had one dread and fungus. Said he worked on people's toilets with plungers. Girls, not the guy you were with a tongue, yeah. So guys, take your cue from this little number. You gotta wash your ass. If you must, you gotta wash your hair. If you must, you gotta wash your teeth. It's a very entertaining record. It's a little long, but if you like this, you'll probably like that too. All right, well, that about wraps it up for this week's Instupituous Discord and Rhyme. Thank you for listening. Join us in two weeks for our next episode, where Amanda will be back, and she's got a controversial pick for us, but a fun one. Dave Matthews Band's 1994 studio debut, Under the Table and Dreaming. And what might surprise you, in a digital room of music critics raised in the 90s, three out of four of us may not hate the album. So that's what we've got in store for you. You can buy our stream, Deltron 3030, and other albums by Dan the Automator, Kid Koala, and Del the Funky Homo Sapien at the usual suspects such as Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, and Amazon, and your local Sam Goody. Check out our website at discordpod.com for show notes and a preview of upcoming albums. Follow Discord and Rhyme on Twitter at DiscordPod for news and updates. Follow me at Zonetrope. Follow Phil at PA Maddox. 
And Mike and Will aren't on Twitter. They needed to preserve their gray matter because one day it may matter. <laughs> Special thanks to our own Mike DeFabio, the other leading brand for production duties. You can listen to Will's music at disclaimer.bandcamp.com. See you next album and be ever wonderful. Positive contact. Positive contact. Positive contact.